Today's scripture reading is from Psalm 96, verses 1 through 13. Please read the highlighted verses with me. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. That was beautiful. Uh, both that reading as well as the reading uh, or the prayers to the, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, my name is Daniel, one of the pastors here. Uh, thankful to be worshiping with you this morning. Uh, I love the red. Uh, I know some have said, let's keep it a little longer if we can. Uh, and so, again, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, when each of my children were uh, turned one years old, uh, we held a big celebration for each one of them. It wasn't just a one-year-old birthday party. It was a celebration, the whole works. We rented a venue, we catered good food, we invited friends and family to enjoy this occasion with us. In Korean tradition, families celebrate the first year, or the first birthday of a child's life called Dol, or the party itself, Dol Janchi, and it's a, a big deal. Uh, but certainly something my kids won't remember as they were too young. We dressed them up in traditional Korean garb called a hanbok. Uh, food is neatly decorated and presented at a table in the front, typically with fruit and rice cakes. And you can see a picture there. It's, uh, I'm not sure whose kid that is. <laughs> I think it's right off of Wikipedia. My own pictures of my kids are in a 35 millimeter format, and so could not be converted by the time of this sermon. So here you have it, a strange baby on the screen. <laughs> in old Korea, 
when the mortality rate for babies was high, the milestone of a baby's first 100 days, which we call pegu, it's the first 100 days, or tor, which is the first 12 months of a baby's life, is to be celebrated by all, even the most humble families, the humblest of households. It's a big deal. And although healthcare and life expectancy have changed for the better over the years, many Korean households still go, out by, go all out by throwing this big party for their babies. The highlight of a tor, a baby's first birthday celebration, is the tor jabi. Uh, the birthday child is seated in front of a table with items such as a pencil or money. I can't remember all of the items we chose for our kids, but some will put a, a gavel or a stethoscope. Such a hard word to say. A soccer ball, a microphone, and I think we put even a Bible. And the child is encouraged then to pick one of these items, each correlating to a certain future career. And you may guess, uh, you can guess what career each of these items represents. Uh, we even had our guests place their predictions in a jar <laughs> as to which one our kids would choose. If my memory serves me well, my son, who is now finishing his second year as a managerial economics major, chose, as a one-year-old, money. <laughs> he chose the $100 bill. <laughs> How appropriate. Uh, you know, life is a journey full of uh, dates and celebrations. Along this journey, we celebrate many important days, such as anniversaries and birthdays and holidays and what and how we celebrate differs among countries and cultures and and i would say even the saints of the old and new testament are no exception to that there were certain jewish holidays that they celebrated and this morning as you look around the room we are reminded of one of the most significant events in the history of the church Christ's outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. This event is recorded for us, as you heard today, the events uh, found in the book of Acts chapter 2 by the writer Luke, the gospel writer Luke, and we read of the miraculous sights and sounds witnessed on that day in verses 1 through 11. And we even hear an explanation of what Pentecost is by Peter and his bold preaching in verses 12 through 36 of that same chapter. This passage describes something entirely new and utterly amazing. Here we see the birth of the church, the giving of the Holy Spirit upon believers. And yet, Pentecost is nothing new. Pentecost means a 50th, right? The word penta in Greek and refers to the Jewish feast called Shavuot, held 50 days after the second day of Passover. It's also called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. Again, you can find those in the book of Exodus. It was one of the three Old Testament festivals that people would travel to Jerusalem with gifts and offerings commemorating, as the name would suggest, again, an agricultural festival, the bountiful harvest that God would provide for the people of God. 
filled with great rejoicing as they brought their first fruit before the Lord. The word Pentecost in the Old Testament is significant as it was also a celebration of the anniversary of the giving of the law or the establishment of the covenant at Mount Sinai. You may remember this as uh, people are leaving Egypt. They have the Passover, the blood of the lamb across the doorposts of their homes. And then 50 days later, they find themselves at Mount Sinai where Moses meets with God and God gives them the law. And so over the years, over the years, again, it was a remembering of the receiving of the Ten Commandments from their, again, after their exodus from Egypt through Moses on Mount Sinai. And again, if you're counting, 50 days after Passover. 50 days after Passover, 50 days after they left Egypt in a hurry. And the people of God celebrate this feast of weeks or this feast of harvest. And again, the 50th day, the Pentecost, as a way of remembering that God remembered his people and rescued them from the land of Egypt, from the land of slavery. And that God would establish a covenant with them by giving them the law and saying, if you follow these things, if you follow the laws of God, I will give you life and, and prosper, uh, prosperity for believing and following and obeying these commandments. Pentecost in the Old Testament for the people of God was also the year of Jubilee. It was the year of Jubilee. It was the 50th year following seven Sabbath years. Or 49 years. I'm going to do a little bit of math here. But 7 times 7 is 49. And so if you think about the 50th day, right, or the 50th year, it was the year of Jubilee. And this is what the Jews celebrated. It was the 50 years, 50 years following the 7 years of Sabbath, 49 years plus 1. Pastor Brad preached about this last Pentecost Sunday. You can listen to his podcast on Apple Music or Spotify shameless plug <laughs> would love some traffic on there if you guys ever get a chance to uh, but it's a great sermon and again it just tells you a little bit about what Pentecost is and, and why the people of God celebrated Pentecost during this year <clears throat> any ancestral <clears throat> I found a water <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, during this year, any ancestral land that Israelite families had sold was given back to them. Also, any Israelite who, uh, induced by poverty, had sold himself been, or been sold into slavery to a fellow Israelite regained his liberty. Not only the people, but the land itself was free from being worked. No planting or sowing, harvesting or reaping took place during the 50th year. Like the sabbatical year, every seventh year, the jubilee year was a great Sabbath or rest for the people of Yahweh and the land that belonged to him. Therefore, because of the jubilee year, the number 50 is closely associated with the remission of debts, emancipation of slaves, and rest within God's protective care. And like the festival held every 50 years, the festival held every year on the 50th day proclaimed the following, God had freed the Israelites from slavery. He had fulfilled his promise to give them the Holy Land, and he provided rest for them from their laborers. 
So you can see how significant Pentecost was for the Jews. It's significant for a number of different reasons. And so, yes, in one sense, in Acts chapter 2, the descending of the Holy Spirit upon believers at Pentecost was a brand new and utterly amazing thing. And yet, it wasn't anything new at all. For the Jews, the people of God, there were, there were markers all over the place. Every part of Scripture in the Old Testament signaling the power and the presence and the promise of God. One such passage is Psalm 96, a psalm composed by David in the earlier parts of the books of Samuel 1st and 2nd Samuel and the book of 1st Chronicles. Again, these are accounts, uh, again, all throughout the Old Testament that, that mark for us, again, the power and the presence and the promise of the Holy Spirit. And again, these were not just promises for the present moment, but for a coming time, a coming day. It's a dream of a, of a day that would come. Yes, Psalm 96 is not a Pentecost psalm in the sense that it occurs 50 days after Passover or in the year of Jubilee. It's not a Pentecost psalm in that it prophesies about the coming of the Holy Spirit and the people of God. But it is a psalm, however, dedicate, dedicated to the glory of God. And much like the call to every creature of every tribe and language and people and nation, Described for us in Acts chapter 2 or repeated in the last book of Revelation, last book in the Bible uh, called Revelation or said emphatically throughout the Psalms, it's the worship of the one true and living God. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. And so in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descends just like Jesus said. Just like Jesus promised in the Old Testament. And the psalmist here tells us of God's marvelous works or his wonderful deeds or his wonders. And David, he sings of and tells us to sing of a wonder-working God. A God who does wonderful things, a God who does marvelous things. And he calls us to declare his marvelous works among the nations. Psalm 96 is a call to tell the nations about God's glory and his great salvation. Interestingly, in Psalm 95, previous to the one we're looking at today, describes the stubbornness, the hard-heartedness of Israel in the wilderness in spite of God's goodness towards them. And Psalm 96 comes in the midst of that uh, a hardened people and says, your God has done wonderful things. God has done marvelous deeds. So come and worship. We said that psalm, uh, the psalms teach us that worship means acknowledging uh, that God is who he is. And so we prostrate ourselves before him. And again here, Pentecost is exactly this, that he has come just as he has promised. That in his absence, he sends a, another helper and of his promise to come again. And there will be a day when all of creation will give glory to God. In verse 3, 
The psalmist writes, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Verse 4, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Verse 6, splendor and majesty are before him, strength are beauty in his sanctuary. In verse 10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, let the seas roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. What an imagery. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. This is the promise. That is the hope and our heart's cry. That is the makeup of that the makeup of heaven will reflect the diversity of his creation. That the trees of the field will sing for joy. That all that God has created will, will cry out to God. And again, in other parts of scripture, the rocks will cry out. And again, I love the this particular psalm, how often it says. Uh, it encompasses all of creation, everything that the Lord has made. In verse 1, all the earth. In verse 3, among the nations. Again in verse 3, among all the peoples. Again, it says in verse 7, O families of the peoples. In verse 9, all the earth. In verse 11, let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, let the seas war and all that feel, uh, fills it. Verse 12, let the field exult and everything in it, let the trees of the forest sing for joy. Again, every living thing, praise the Lord. This we know will be the result of the end times. That all peoples, that every living thing will praise the Lord. It will be for His glory. This will be the hope and our hearts cry. Consider what the scriptures speak about. When we think about the providence and the sovereignty and the work of our Lord. And it tells us that we are to declare His glory among the nations. We are called to worship him. My friends, isn't this what Pentecost is all about? Isn't this what Pentecost is? That all the peoples of the earth will one day praise him. That every language, and we heard just seven this morning, that every language and tongue from every people and tribe will give glory to God. And the Holy Spirit descending upon the people of God in Acts chapter 2 is just a glimpse of future glory. It's just a picture, a taste of what is yet to come. That people of different races and ethnicities will come together and will worship in one voice, declare the praises of God among all the peoples, and that we will give splendor and majesty before Him. That we will know of God's reign and His faithfulness and judgment. So what is our response? Two things I want to just point out very quickly. One, the first response is that we must sing his praises. 
That's for you and for me. For those of us sitting in this room, we are called to sing of his greatness. I'm not going to sing right now. I, I feel like uh, every preacher who's come up here has sung a song, including our very own Pastor Brad. But I will not. The scriptures tell us that we are to sing of his greatness. The first response is that we must sing his praises. And we see this throughout the psalm and throughout the psalms. It's a repeated frame throughout the whole psalm, but we see it specifically in verses 7 through 9. And I love what it says in verses 7 through 9. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. We are to sing it. We sing those songs that are in our hearts. A repeated refrain, all people ought to sing his praises. We are to ascribe to him glory and strength. We are to bring him an offering of praise. We are to come into his courts and, and worship him, worshiping him with our lips and also worshiping him with our lives. We are to worship him in the splendor of holiness. We are to sing it whenever we can. You may wonder, and I don't know if you ever wonder, I, I wonder things like, why do we sing songs on Sundays? Right? Why do we sing worship songs? Why don't we just come together and just hear a sermon? Well, first of all, I'm not sure if anyone would come. Uh, you know, we have a wonderful worship team, and, and part of the, the wonder and the beauty of singing songs and the, and the chorus of voices that come together, the, the harmony and the melody that come together to bring praises and, and singing to God. And I think that one day we'll be in the, the heavens, and it'll be this beautiful choir singing praises to God. And I will one day, and I think one day when I get to heaven, I'm not sure about my singing voice, but I know I will be, I will be whistling when I get to heaven. <laughs> There's something about, the, about a singing that, that, that lifts up the, the cry and the praises of our heart. And the scriptures tell us that we are to sing of his greatness. There's something about coming together as a, as a body of Christ when we sing those songs where we're echoing the prayers of the saints, the, the prayers of the Psalms, and we're putting it into words. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. So many of our songs are taken right out of the Psalms. Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God. Psalm 121, I lift my eyes up to the hills from where my help comes. I mean, all throughout the Psalms are these beautifully written poetry that express in, in melody what we think about God. What kind of attributes or what kind of a, a, a glory we attribute to his name and to his character. We sing those songs uh, talking about what Christ did for us and what that means for us. We sing of his greatness. And part of this, I think, and I think my voice will get better when I get there in heaven, but the singing of, of his greatness, we, we practice it now. And not just in our, in our voices, but in the way we live. I mean, isn't the way we live a, a, an outpouring of, of what we feel inside? 
We sing of his greatness. Everything about us, uh, when we lift up our hands, when we prostrate ourselves, when we fall to our knees, these are all ways that we sing of the greatness of God. And we, and we say, Lord, thank you for those things that you have done in our place. Sing. Sing to him a new song. Oh, sing to the Lord. Oh, sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord. And again, three times, if you ever want it heard, and you want, again, the, the, the point of, uh, of the Psalms, you'll hear it three times. The holy, holy, holy. Or sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. amen. But just as often as he says, sing, 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 he tells us to tell it, to declare it, to acknowledge it. If you look at verses 1 and 2, oh, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, it says here, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, and declare his glory among the nations. So what is our response? We are to sing of his greatness, but number two, we are to tell of God's greatness. The second response that we see here is that we will be those who tell of the greatness of the Lord. We sing the greatness of the Lord ourselves, but then we also tell others of the greatness of the Lord. In this psalm, David is driving home the same point. He uses several different verbs here in the, just in the first few verses. Again, the first and most obvious is sing. He tells us to sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name. But then in verse 2, he goes on to say, tell it. Translated, proclaim it or preach it or declare it. And so then he tells us, tell of his salvation from day to day. And then in verse 3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all the people. David uses all these verbs to press home that we are to tell the world of the greatness of the Lord. We're to sing it. It's to be the song of our hearts. It's to be the, the thing that takes up our hearts and our minds and our desires and our loves. And then we're also to tell others about it. And David here uses all these verbs to tell us that we ought to use every means at our disposal to make the Savior known. I was part of a parachurch ministry in college, and their, their, uh, their, their purpose or their, their, their mission is to know God and to make Him known. To sing it and then to tell it. To make God known among all those around us. Sing the praises of the Lord, but as uh, tell your Christian friends... Tell the nations of the greatness of your Lord as well. Tell your friends, and they may already know, but tell them how great God is. Tell your neighbors. There may be people living right next door to you or living down the street from you who are without hope. Tell them of the glory of the Lord. Tell your coworkers, your associates and, and fellow coworkers, your friends and all these people again here. Tell the world the greatness of God. My friends, the gospel that we hold and cherish so deeply in our heart is not just for the church. 
My friends, it's not just for those sitting in this room. It's for the world. And so on the day of Pentecost, when that day of Pentecost had come, the Holy Spirit descended on each of those believers and reminded us that the year of Jubilee has come. Michael Card, one of my favorite songwriters, in his song, Jubilee, he writes, the, he sings, <laughs> the word provided for a time for the slaves to be set free, for the debts to all be canceled so his chosen ones could see. His deep desire was for forgiveness. He longed to see their liberty and his yearning was embodied in the year of Jubilee. At the Lord's appointed time, again, that's Acts chapter 2, his deep desire, actually he's talking about John chapter 1, his deep desire became a man, the heart of all true jubilation, and with joy we understand. In his voice we hear a trumpet sound that tells us we are free. He is the incarnation of the year of jubilee. Jubilee, jubilee. Jesus is that jubilee. Debts forgiven, slaves set free. Jesus is our jubilee.